good deal. Okay, so part four, uh, the nature of God is love. So there's a number of sources we could, or a number of, yeah, there's well, certainly a number of sources we could go to to uh, get information on the, the love of Radha. Um, it's spoken about in a general way in the Bhagavatam in terms of the Bhavs and whatnot, without singling Radha out in particular. And then, of course, the Goswamis in in their establishing of the Sampradaya in their literatures, in their comments on the Bhagavatam and whatnot. And um, Rupa Goswami, of course, in Ujjula Nilamani, which we've been quoting extensively from in this series, talks about the nature of Radha's love and all, it, all the technical details and whatnot. And then following him, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami talks about it, of course, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, because that is what Mahaprabhu was about. And that's one point that we will discuss uh, in this class, that um, if you want to know what Radha's love is, you must look at the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because he's embodying her love. He's fully in her mood. And so um, if you want to know what she's about, you look at what he's about and that will you know everything you need to know, which is why books like the Shikshastakam uh, that Gurumaraj wrote a commentary on are so useful to us because uh, you'll find in the Shikshastakam in particular, the last two verses, verses seven and eight, the description of Radha's love. It's, in other words, Mahaprabhu has, at that point in the Shikshastakam, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has succeeded in tasting her love and he's fully embodying that mood. And we have a very good example of, uh, a great example of what it is. Now, that's in terms of the essential nature of it, the essential nature of Prem. It's not going into all the details about uh, Radha's unsubmissive nature or uh, all the different moods that she can manifest in the course of her serving Krishna. It's it's about Mahaprabhu expresses there the the essential characteristic of it is, and the essential nature of her persona, her personality, her mindset is, is in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's words, "Ami Krishna Pada Dasi." I am the servant of Krishna's lotus feet. So that's her self-identification. But as we know, Prem is a little more complicated than that. <laughs> so what is Prem? I guess we should start there, right? Prem, uh, in everything uh, philosophical, we can analyze it according to the, the Svarup Lakshan and the Tatasta Lakshan, which... As a reminder, the Sarup Lakshana, the internal or intrinsic characteristics of a thing, the thing, the, the characteristics that make the thing up, its very form, its essence, its Sarup. And then Tatasta means, in this context, means marginal characteristics or secondary characteristics. So the Sarup Lakshana Prem is that it is an intensification of Bhav. So we know from the Bhakti Prasamrita Sindhu that there are nine stages of Bhakti, right? And so after one graduates from Sadhana Bhakti, from Asakti, one, uh, one's attachment deepens into Bhav, actual Bhav. And that's a, 
the liberated condition of the jiva. That's the Vaishnav version of jivan mukti, bhava bhakti. And so bhava bhakti is when that is intensified through further practice. So the bhava bhakta is neither a neither a, a sad, well, is a sadhaka and is a siddha kind of both. It's this in-between sort of stage. And so the bhava bhakta, once, once the sadhaka attains bhav and is perfected to a certain degree, one could say, then one will continue to practice, of course, and uh, to cultivate that bhav so that it will intensify and one will attain full-on love of God, which is the goal. So the Svarublakshan is the intensification of Bhav. And then the Tatastalakshan, the, the result of this intensification of Bhav is twofold. It fully softens or melts the heart. And it awakens a sense of possessiveness of the object of love. So softening the heart. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with Guru Maharaj, I don't know, last week, I think, uh, in which he said, you know, in the material world, when we say someone's heart melts, it's metaphoric. You know, you don't take that seriously. Obviously, the heart doesn't melt in your chest. You would die very quickly. Um, he said, but in the spiritual world, the heart really does melt. Because <laughs> uh, we were talking about the, the what we had in the, in the last class, we had spoken quite a lot about the nature of the, uh, the body that we all inhabit and the, the nature of the bodies that... Um, it, like Krishna and his associates have, these bodies made of consciousness itself, bodies not made of meat, like we're familiar with here. And so um, it's a good thing to mention or to, in, in that context, uh, just the difference between what happens to our heart is one thing. <laughs> but in, in a body made of consciousness, the heart actually melts, which again is, as I mentioned last time, is something to look forward to. <laughs> I'm sure it's quite pleasant. And, and as we know, it's, well, more than pleasant. <laughs> it's Sandrananda Visheshatma. It's composed of bliss. But, so, it, yes, it, it softens the heart. So these, what began in Ruchi with the, big, with the, uh, the desire to serve Krishna favorably and the desire to please him just intensifies more and more and more. And one's self-surrender becomes deeper and deeper and deeper. And humility, as we know, which is, uh, which in, in Nishta is, is substantial. It's a humility arising from the soul as opposed to humility arising from the intellect. The result of being unable to practice, like in the, in the first verse of Shikshastakam, in, in, in uh, Nishta, one's Bhakti is fixed as a result of having uh, done away with the enjoying spirit, as Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati said. So one becomes fully humble. In other words, uh, the way Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati defined humility was the absence of the enjoying spirit. So if you don't want anything from the world, you're a truly humble soul. And then that just keeps on intensifying into Prem as well, where we find that Radha is the embodiment of humility. We heard that one of her qualities was humility. And um, she just thinks of herself as a simple servant of Krishna. She doesn't think she's anything special. 
at, at no point, even when she knows that she's the only one that out of all the billions of gopis who are intent on serving him, they have nothing, they, they have no other existence, even amongst billions of people like that, she's the only one who can truly satisfy him fully. And yet, even though that is a fact, that doesn't go to her head and she doesn't start thinking, I am very important, never. <laughs> it's very interesting, this frame, how it works. And so, I mean, I think if, if, there's, if there's anything we should understand about the example of love of God is that the root of it is two things. It's, it's, well, same thing, selflessness, giving. To give is to live, right? Um, in, an, in an ecological sense, every living being in the, in the world depends upon every other being in order to survive directly or indirectly. And yes, there are adversarial relationships, but that's part of the overall balance of how the thing works. So in order to, uh, oh, or in the Gita we hear also that Vishnu is, he's situated in sacrifice. Yagyavai Vishnu. So that being the case, what does that mean? That means it's a, it's a give and take relationship. So we, the, uh, the living entities who are dependent entities on their source, on their maker, they, their duty is to supply whatever they have to the center. And then the center, just like a tree providing nourishment, or you pour water on the root and the entire tree is nourished, that kind of idea. So softens the heart and awakens mamata mamata is minus which we'll go into a bit more um and and what it what that minus uh what it looks like uh, but so i just wanted to go into the uh, brief review of the six qualities of bhakti of prem bhakti so we're talking about prem and so what is that so it's got all the six qualities of bhakti. So, so each of the qualities or each of the stages of bhakti, I should say, in a sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti and prem bhakti, they each have two qualities. So um, for those of you who are familiar with this stuff, you'll remember that um, sadhana bhakti has the qualities of auspiciousness, shubhada, and kleshagni, mm, destroys suffering. And then... Bhava Bhakti has those two qualities plus the two qualities of moksha lakutakrit. It makes light of moksha and it's uh, sudorlaba. It's very rarely attained. And then Prem Bhakti has those four qualities plus Sri Krishna Karshini, the ability or the power to attract Sri Krishna himself, and Sandrananda Visheshatma. It's composed of the most intense bliss. And so this enjoyment is something that the, that the devotee relishes as a byproduct of their, of their service to Krishna to please his senses. So it's not that they're doing preem in order to, to experience bliss. Bliss is a completely not even in the calculus. Bliss is something that comes as a byproduct. And sure, they accept it if it's favorable for service. And if it's not, then... We find in like we find in the Bhagavatam, Daruk Krishna's 
in Dwaraka, Daruka uh, is Krishna's chariot driver. And he was fanning Krishna with a chamara and he was crying and he was uh, denigrating himself for having these tears that were getting in the way of doing service. <laughs> it's like the, 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 if the emotion of, if the bliss and the emotion of serving Krishna gets in the way of it, then the, then the devotee will be like, I don't get, I don't need that. That's in the, that's uh, getting in the way of what I'm trying to do. So but that's a very, very profound level of love we're talking about. That's not extraordinary love. I mean, that, that is extraordinary love. That's not like the ordinary love that we're familiar with in the material world at all. It's this completely different thing that we can hardly even conceive of being that intense. But there it is. So, <clears throat> um, excuse me. So there's a few verses that I think are mm, relevant. Let me see if I can find them. All right. mm, looking at my notes here. So in the Chaitanya Chaitanya, we hear that love of Krishna or Radha's love. Anyway, I don't need Radha and Krishna love is uh, Radha Krishna Pranai Vikriti Haladini Shakti Rasmad. So it's a it's a transformation of the Haladini Shakti. So the Haladini Shakti, as we know, is the Shakti that it's the the bliss aspect, the bliss, yeah, the bliss portion of Krishna's internal energy. So we've got Sandini, Samvit, Haladini. And Samvit and Haladini together, that's the Bhakti Shakti. And Haladini in particular, that's the bliss. The, the, that's, so that, that's the bliss uh, yeah, aspect of the internal energy, which would be analogous to Satchit and I mean, Ananda bliss. So, that being the case, then, and, and the verse goes on to say that Radha and Krishna are two, but then they, you know, on earth, they become one as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and under the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Surup Damodar is giving obeisances. And so, Krishna Das cites that verse to kind of, in the very beginning of the Chaitanya Chodhattamrita is a, it's one of the root verses which the entire book then extrapolates out of. So that's something to, to meditate on in terms of the, the tattva of the thing. Like, okay, so this is a, it's a transformation of Krishna's internal energy and a specific aspect of that energy. Um, and another verse that Guru Maharaj likes to quote, and uh, let's see, where is that? This one I want to quote in, in full because you don't usually hear, he doesn't usually quote the whole thing. It's, I thought it was interesting. So this is in Madhilila, chapter two. And Krishna says, A mata dine dine, sarup ramananda sane. Nija bhava kori navidita. Bhaye visha jvala hoi, bhitare anandamoi, Krishna premar adbhuta charita. So that second two lines is the one that, the ones that Guru Maharaj quotes often. 
In this way, Lord Chaitanya used to revel in ecstasy day after day and exhibit these ecstasies before Swarup and Ramananda Roy. Externally, there appeared severe tribulation. <laughs> Visha, Bahi Jusha. Externally, it's like poison. But internally, he was experiencing bliss. This is characteristic of transcendental love of Krishna. So we find this, of course, exemplified in, uh, in the separation that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and we're going to talk quite a bit about separation. It's going to run throughout this entire uh, theme because you cannot. It is one of the principal forms of love of God. There's love in separation and love in, in union. And so, and separation on the outside, it looks very, very unpleasant <laughs> uh, to the point where Mahaprabhu's separation was, of course, extreme. And he was exhibiting these um, transformations on his body that were very difficult to relate to, blood oozing from his pores, and, you know, uh, mucus from his nose, like, like, like you, if you've ever, uh, I've been in the military, and at one point, they put you through a, a gas chamber, in order so that you know what it's like to be gassed, and I assure you, it is not fun, the second the stuff, you, you breathe the stuff in, and instantly, you just have tears, and snot pouring from your every your face just burns like fire so this is like chaitanya mahaprabhu one aspect of his of his symptoms when he's experiencing radha's separation from krishna he's he's just got this these pouring tears and mucus is running from his nose and and the extreme case blood <laughs> i mean it's a little that would be pretty pretty scary if you saw somebody that was um exhibiting these kinds of symptoms on their body It'd be like calling 911, you know, or calling the calling the ambulance. We got a problem here, you know. Um, so, <laughs> and yet, the, these external symptoms are are a manifestation of a bliss internal, an uh, an in, in, in internal bliss so intense that that's what how it manifests externally. Um, inconceivable i mean just this stuff is like totally a chintya like how could that even be possible you know obviously a, a human body could never survive such a thing and so luckily you know chaitanya mahaprabhu and where we're going we're not going to have bodies we're going to have bodies that can handle that <laughs> and uh in the intensifications of prem it is said that the sadhaka deha can't contain them so it's like like when the baba bhakta is mature enough that they're going to attain prem then krishna descends into that world where that where there's baba bhaktas are and he brings his leela so that the baba bhaktas can be born in there can be born there and get a body that can actually the intensifications of prem can actually manifest in high stuff and uh pretty far away on the horizon at least on my horizon but there so um so, and still speaking uh, in a bit of a general way, uh, Gurumaraj wrote something on Facebook recently that I thought was really nice. He says, Sri Radha's perspective, quote, those who say, I love you, know nothing about love, for in love there is no other. 
the mystery of interpenetrating identity and difference, better known as love, much spoken of, but seldom understood. And then someone had asked him, can you explain? And he said, it comes to this, Rasaraj Mahabhav Dui A Group, which is, um, I've quoted that in the verse of Surup Damodar Goswami. That's one of the lines, Rasaraj Mahabhav. Well, it's, this is um, Kaviraj Goswami's Bengali rendition of that Sanskrit. And then uh, another devotee, Srila Das, um, posted something nice in regard to that. He said, in the stage of Pranay, the ashray, or the object of Madhurarati, the mistress, so he's talking about Radha, obviously, perceives no distinction between her body, mind, intelligence, heart, and life of those of her beloved Sri Krishna. This is from Bon Maharaj's introduction to Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So that's, um, that's a very, very, very deep statement that in love, there, the internal perception of love is that there is no other. You're, you're totally one. The, the Guru Maharaj makes that point often that in love, it's not no longer you and me, it's we. There's a, a third entity arises out of, out of the loving relationship that is greater than the sum of its parts as we say in English. Um, so that's a, that's a great mystery. And in fact, the whole idea of love of God, uh, as particularly love of Krishna, is of course that the love, as we find in the Raslila, the love is greater, Krishna admits that that love is greater than he himself. It, it controls him. Um, there's interesting examples of that, uh, one of which a prominent one is, um, wasn't during the Ras Lila, but there's one, one Lila where the gopis are, or maybe, maybe it was during the Ras Lila, I forget, but anyway, uh, the, the gopis are looking for Krishna, and out of a joke, he decides to play with them, because that's how he is, and he turns, he manifests forearms in the form of Narayan, and the gopis are like, they come and they ask him, oh, if they see Narayan, they pay obeisances, oh, Narayan, can you tell us, <clears throat> excuse me, can you tell us where Krishna has gone? So even though they're, they're in contact with a majestic form of divinity, it doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't affect their love for Krishna in the least. They're just like, okay, God, can you tell us where our love for Krishna has gone? But in Radha's presence, Krishna could not manifest four arms. Her power, the power of her love, her deity is Krishna. And so there's no way that he can, like her, her love is so pure and so powerful that it controls him to the extent that he can't even manifest a form other than the one she loves, the, the two-armed form with holding the flute as the gopa. That's the form she loves. And so that's how he has to appear to her. <laughs> he doesn't have the power to appear otherwise. And, play such a joke or such a trick on her that's power okay when you can do that with Bhagavan he can't even you know like uh that's power that's real power so So on the, on the technical side of stuff a little bit, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of, uh, well, actually, no, we're not quite there yet. Sorry. 
Um, so Vrajprem, this this mamata, Krishna is mine, or the you know the the object of love, you are mine. Uh, that runs throughout Braj Bhakti. Um, it's it's one of the one of the characteristics of Braj Bhakti in general, and of course in Gopi Bhav, and in particular Radha Bhav, it reaches its highest point. But there's a really nice verse in the Bhagavatam in the Gopi Gita. Text 15, where the gopis say, Ate. Uh, let's see if I'm. Atati yat bhavang ahnikananam truti yugayate tvam apashyatam kutila kuntalam shri mukanchate jada udikshatam pakshma kridrasham. When you go off to the forest during the day, a tiny fraction, truti, of a second, uh, tiny fraction of a second. And Vishwanath comments, one seventeen hundredth, one one thousand seven hundredth of a second. That's a truti. That becomes like a millennium for us because we cannot see you. And even when we can eagerly look upon your beautiful face, so lovely with its adornment of curly locks, our pleasure is hindered by our eyelids, which were fashioned by the foolish creator. So just see the position, these, the, the, the spiritual power, the position, the existential position of these village girls who can basically step on the head of the creator, Brahma, with a statement like that. Because they love Krishna so much that they cannot tolerate the blinking of their eyes. I mean, as Guru Maharaj has pointed out many times, like we blink our eyes thousands of times in a day and we don't notice because what we're looking at is not something that we absolutely must perceive to its fullest. Nothing in the world is, you know, I mean, it's understandable. Nothing in the world is really worth that. So to have an object of love that was that wonderful, that amazing, like how amazing Krishna has to be in order for them to feel this about him, that they, this creator, what is he doing? Giving us eyelids. We want to be able to look at him at every moment. And any interruption in that is met with anger. Like, oh, it's just disgusting. Why, how is this possible? Um, so these examples are there to kind of give us some idea of what this love must be like like how how consuming and how uh yeah how absorbing this love has to be um and it's beautiful that we've got all these lizard all these shastras that are giving these examples of these different people and these different types of lovers of god to for us so we can see what it's actually like so that's that's the uh, Going back to that that uh, theme of selflessness that that this love is about, Rumraj has a really nice section in his Shikshastikam um, where he says Radha's delight in Krishna's embrace is derived solely from the pleasure he draws from it. 
So Radha's delight in Krishna's embrace is not for her own pleasure. She does not care about that. She derives pleasure from it because he derives pleasure from it. <laughs> and that's the nature of love. If anybody, any, any of you have been, ever been in love, the, the desire is, I only want to make my significant other happy somehow. I want to please them in some way. And the more we, and this is the magic of love, is that the more we get into that mindset, then, then the other person, of course, receives that and reciprocates with that. And then they want to do the same for us. And it's like this back and forth kind of movement. Um, so Krishna, of course, being the center to which all this is directed, he does reciprocate, though. I mean, so um, Radha's completely selfless uh, demeanor directed toward Krishna is reflected back to her. And he course you know he enjoys with her and then then the separation and union i mean it's just it's an amazing concept this just just the more i study this the more i just go uh wow what a thing we're involved in you know it just the 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 more it strikes me the more i the more i read about this the more i understand about this the more i contemplate this the less i understand <laughs> and the more i want it because it's just such a wonderful thing like like we're describing, which is why we're having con uh, conversations like this. But anyway, um, pardon my ramble. And so Guru Maharaj, about that selflessness, and this is like, this is the point to get, um, I think, about Radha's love or about uh, love of God in general. Um, he says, this selflessness is the ground on which Mahabhav dances. Ground that even beginners can identify with as they set their sights on the towering ideal of the highest love. It is for this reason that Mahaprabhu emphasized Radha's selflessness in his final verse and subsequent elucidation. Radha's extreme selfless serving disposition establishes her as Krishna's personal deity. So there you have it. That's uh, selflessness taken to its extreme looks like that. Again, it, it looks like the ability to control by love the, the object of love. Um, and Guru Maharaj sometimes gives the example of a, a king. He's the ruler of a country. He's got thousands of people at his disposal who will do anything at the drop of, at his least whim, they will do anything. And he's got all these, he's got so much power. And yet his daughter can say to him, daddy, don't go to work today. Take him by the finger and lead him into her playroom and they will play with dolls. <laughs> or she's riding on him like a horse. The most powerful man in, in the country. And yet she, you know, a young girl out of her affection for him can have that kind of power over such a powerful person. So that's a great example of, uh, and, and she's doing it, you know, she just wants to be with her dad. You know, she's not doing it for her own pleasure, per se. I mean, of course, any material analogy is going to break down eventually. But um, you get the idea that out of selflessness, out of affection, we can control the all-powerful, the almighty himself. And we should understand that he likes to be controlled like that. 
he likes to see Radha's man where she's controlling him with her jealous anger where she won't look at him she won't, don't talk to me you scoundrel you know she pulls her veil and uh, and then he's suddenly he's very attentive um so that's that's kind of the basis that's the basis of the thing is this this extreme selflessness this extreme humility the, the service attitude taken to its final final destination of this prem so that's kind of a the uh and like i said uh, as guru Maharaj mentioned there mahaprabhu is emphasizing in the the last two verses of shikshastakam this selflessness so that we can understand the the core of the thing the, the, the root of the thing and then like for example you know if we don't if we don't know the the details of the ujjala nilamani it's not like we're not going to be able to understand prem of radha you know bhakti rakshak sridhar dev goswami maharaj was asked about ujjala nilamani one time and he said i have not gone through it so obviously he was familiar with it and some of the verses in it he's even quoted but he hadn't like gone systematically through the whole book and yet we think he knew a little something about Radha Dasyam and Radha Bhav. So, um, but still, it's useful. Um, in fact, there's a verse in the Ujjvalini Mani that I want to quote. And it talks about the nature of love. And it's a verse that I'm sure most everybody will be familiar with because Guru Maharaj has quoted it many times. Where is it? <laughs> Aha. Nope, that's not the one. Aha. Found it. Aher eva gati premna swabhava kutila bhavet, ato hetor ahetoscha, yunormana udanchati. So it's being described in this section of Ujjala Nimani. This is in the chapter, it's called the types of Sringar Rasa. So it's describing, this is pretty late in the book, almost the end. And um, he's talking about man. So there's different types of man, that jealous anger, this cause, with cause and without a cause. And so he quotes this, uh, 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 Rupa Goswami quotes this verse, which says, it is said, the movement of a snake is naturally crooked. Prema has the same nature in man. Man between couples arises either with cause or without cause. So this, this first section, the movement of love is moves in a crooked, love moves in a crooked way, like a snake. And so sometimes it's over here and sometimes it's over there. And it's uh, in, in, um, in, a, in a American uh, parlance, we like to put it like, love is like a roller coaster. It has its ups and downs and sometimes it's thrilling and sometimes it's, you know, scary and <laughs> uh, kind of like that. So, uh, I think that the snake uh, analogy is there. It's given so that it's like, uh, it's kind of, uh, what's the word, roundabout or 
it can move in, in unexpected ways and come at you uh, from angles that you don't expect. So that's saying that you know, the Rod is like that. Um, and the other verse. So we're talking now, now, so then the nature of this love, as we heard that the, uh, the Surup, excuse me, the Tatastalakshan, there it is, it awakens mamata, it awakens this sense of, of a sense of uh, possessiveness. So, in the sadhana, in the stage of sadhana, where we're saying to Krishna, I am yours, tavayavasmi, tavayavasmi, I am yours, I'm yours, um, I am your servant, and I am your, I'm your das, your amitomar nitkedas, I am your eternal servant. And when that, when that attitude is fully, uh, fully manifest within the heart, then that's nishta, right? But then, of course, we go on from there to the point where it's like when when you're in love with someone to a very strong degree it's like not only you give yourself to them but that then you possess the other you're they are yours like i am yours and you are mine so this mamata is very very uh in in uh and radhasbhav it's very very powerful um krishna all the gopis think krishna is mine in, in general, and of course, Radha thinks this, even while she thinks that, as I mentioned earlier, earlier in Mahaprabhu's words, that he, I'm just, you know, just Krishna's lotus, this, it's just the servant of Krishna's lotus feet. Nah. But at the same time, he's mine. <laughs> and this, uh, technically, this is called Madhusneha. So Sneha means uh, very, very intense affection. And so Madhusneha is Sneha. Rupa Goswami says, Sneha is called Madhu when the lover thinks, you are mine. This Sneha is called Madhu, sweet, because it is similar to honey, and that is naturally sweet, that possesses various bobs, it intoxicates with bliss, and it causes heating. <laughs> so, there's these two types of Sneha. There's this Madhu Sneha, and this Grita Sneha, which is so madhu is honey and grita is ghee. So there's different types of uh, uh, so these yeah these these different types of uh, sneha of affection. So grita sneha is when one thinks I am his. So that's going to be Chandravali in her camp, and madhu sneha is going to be he is mine. And that's uh, this is this is where actually so we're starting to get into uh, a bit more of the, the the specifics of Radha's love and how it plays out in the Leela. Uh, but there was one more point that I forgot to mention that I wanted to go into a little bit was so the Gopi Bhav in general is uh, given the name Samartha Rati, which means competent love and so competent to what competent to control krishna so again we get back to that um, this love is so powerful it has and it makes these devotees 
able to control Krishna with their with their love. Um, so I mean, all these examples that I'm giving, they're just like, what are we talking about? This is this is a very extraordinary thing we're talking about here. <laughs> uh, to put it in very very mild terms, I mean. So. As I mentioned, uh, if we want to really understand Radhabhav and her love, Radha's love for Krishna, then we got to look to the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And so Gauranga Mahaprabhu is uh, referred to often as Vipralamba Murti. Uh, so that, that means that he's the very form of separation. So, in, as we know, in his the final just over a decade, 14 years or whatever it was, uh, when Mahaprabhu was living in Puri at the Gambira and he had retired from public life, he was no longer preaching, he was no longer making devotees or any of that. He was living, uh, Sri Advaita Prabhu had told him, rice is no longer needed in the marketplace. And so, Mahaprabhu understood that from that, that Mahavishnu had given him um, permission. He had fulfilled his yuga, fulfilled the yuga dharma of promulgating Nam Sankirtan. And so then Mahavishnu, who had called him for that purpose, gave him permission to pursue the internal purpose for which he had really come, which was to, um, as we know from the beginning verses of Chaitanya Chaturtamrita, that he wanted to, uh, to, experienced the depths of Radha's love, which he saw during the Rasalila, and he could not fathom. So we know the story of how um, when Krishna uh, left the gopis and then was with Radha and then he eventually leaves her and then the gopis go searching throughout the forest for him and then they decide, well, we're just pushing him further into the darkness. We don't want to do that. So let's just go to the bank of the Jamuna and do Kirtan. That's all we can do. <laughs> you know. So at that point, they're not in the mood of controlling Krishna. They're in a the mood of submission. <laughs> all we can do is do Kirtan. Okay. So they do that. And then um, so that that's they're in the state of Vipralampa. They're in the state of separation. And then they do Kirtan. And out of that, he appears. So that's the basic uh, the basic idea of Vipralamba, or at least in terms of, uh, for a sadhaka, from the sadhaka's perspective, um, the ocean of, in this case, Madhurya Rasa, will be entered into at the low tide of Vipralamba. So there's the high tide of union and the low tide of separation. And so when it's high tide, the waves can be big and they can be... Um, it can be difficult to enter into the ocean at high tide. Um, so it's easier to, to go in at low tide. So, and that's the, uh, that's the, within the window of opportunity of, of Madhurya Rasa that the Gaudias have extended to the world, uh, how you actually open that window is, and go through it is through, separation so 
uh, in the Shikshastakam, we know that the, the last two verses, of course, are talking about Prem Bhakti, the stage of Prem Bhakti in general. And there's two verses because it's the first verse, verse seven, is talking about Vipralambha, Yugaite Nimeshina, and then eight, Samboga, uh, where um, Mahaprabhu is he's expressing these two aspects of Prem, these two basic. Uh, manifestations of it that that um uh they manifest continually one after the other in the lila so it's union leads to separation leads to union leads to separation just back and forth again and it's like uh, another example of how 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 uh how this works is kind of like the the two banks of a river of union and separation so goes from one to the other, one bank to the other, union and then separation. And just the river of love flows on like that. And just, um, no, I have little tidbits, where are they? So, so uh, Radha's love, of course, as is all divine love, is based on selflessness, right? Surrender. So that's why, naturally, uh, and this is as Guru Maharaj mentioned in that quote that I, uh, that section of his commentary that I read, that I that I cited, was um, that selflessness is con is consistently mm, emphasized by the acharyas as the root of this entire thing right the giving the spirit of giving rather than the spirit of taking which um is the material disposition so um this is another another way that we can contrast radha's love is, is just like how different it is and the name if the spiritual world is in some ways similar to but the opposite of then we can see it in, in that like, material love really ultimately is um even though there may be some giving spirit there ultimately it's about us right <laughs> uh, unfortunately um in other words it's, it's about our own self really ultimately people say they'll do anything for another and yes they will to some degree but um I mean, Radha and the gopis, they consider Krishna to be more dear to them than their own lives by millions of times. And he feels the same about them and about all of his devotees. So uh, that's that's not normal. Or I should say it's normal for the spiritual world. It's not normal for here. We don't know what that's like. So that... that uh, that extreme self-giving then turns around into your mind. I give myself to my the object of love to such a degree that the object of love becomes possessed by me. That's um, it's a great mystery, and something, of course, again, you can't intellect can't make any sense of it, but the heart can. You know, we know <laughs> there's a way of knowing 
that arises from uh, our emotional being, uh, spiritually, let's say, spiritually, uh, spiritually informed, spiritually, spiritually uh, enlightened emotionality is a way of knowing. And the heart knows things that the, the head can never know. What we're, this is what we're pursuing. And so, and yet it comes out in all these, you know, uh, the Goswamis have done this amazing thing of giving, especially Rupa Goswami has done this amazing thing of putting all of this, this, uh, giving a framework, taking from the secular Rasa Shastra and giving a framework of how all these things um, play out in the spiritual world, all these different bhavas and so much detail that just to give us some sort of idea of what this place, what this plane of consciousness is like. And, and <clears throat> of course, drawing on and giving examples from our own uh, material experience so that we can have some sort of picture in our head that, you know, something to, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like that. So we can understand possessiveness. <laughs> I think everybody's pretty familiar with that. And, you know, uh, I think most people are pretty familiar with um, at least, hopefully anyway, uh, they're familiar with the idea of wanting to give, wanting to, to give of oneself, right? So everybody's got that experience somewhere. And then so then we can take these root ideas and, and imagine what they'd be like if they were magnified by millions of times, what this kind of divine love is like. So that being the root of it, Radha loves Krishna. Her, her desire to serve him is so intense that she possesses him in every way. And he admits that in the Bhagavatam, Napareham Narabhajasang Yujam, he put, places his feet at, at the gopis, or his head rather, <laughs> at the gopis' feet. And he says, you know, there's nothing, your love is its own reward. There's nothing I can give you in, re in repayment of that. Uh, that's a pretty extraordinary statement from God himself. I mean, you know, everybody's pursuing God to get something from him, and they don't want anything from him to the degree that he said, you're purchased by me. I, I am purchased by you. I'm yours, you know, and, and so all I can do is I, I can't even give myself to you. Uh, I've done that. And, you know, even that's not enough. It's like your, your own, your love is its own reward. And that's the idea coming back to the, this very unique Godia idea that love is greater than God. Love is more powerful than, than its source in some very mystical kind of way. Um, again, the rational mind can't make any sense of that. How can, you know, he's God, he's all powerful. How can something be more powerful than him? Well, there is, and we're lucky for it because it is through that love that we can approach the absolute in such a way that we can have an intimate relationship with him. Otherwise it would all be majesty. It would all be majestic love it would be um, you know, prayers and stutis to Narayan every day, and that would be it. You know, you, you see him when he walks down the street in parade, maybe with, uh, but you, you, there's only so close you can get. That. You can't get, you can't, you can't, it's like the Krishna conception of Godhead is like, like if you're sitting with your friends in the living room with your feet up on the couch and you're relaxing, 
there's no majesty there. You're just chilling with your friends. And, and you know, and if you have a significant other or whatever, it's like you just, there's, it's all, it's intimate and it's, it's equal. There's, there's no, you know, you just, it's totally relaxed atmosphere, home, home, home-like atmosphere. It's not like going to some formal dinner party in a tie and a suit <laughs> uh, where you've got to behave a certain way and which fork is on which side of the plate and what order to eat and all that. And there's all these rules. There's none of that. It's like, uh, the, this this plane of reality is uh, and Radha's love is, is uh, of a type that um, intimate beyond imagination intimate beyond imagination um, and then that gets us back to the philosophical point of Rasa Raj Mahabhav, Dui Ek Rup. So the two, there's really one being and they manifest for the sake of love in two. So, I mean, obviously we got to have a relationship for there to be love. Otherwise it's just in one, in, in, in the, if we took only the Advaigyan aspect of, of divinity, then there's no, there's no possibility for love there because love requires giving and taking. <laughs> So Radha, uh, the lesson I think overall of Radha's love is that as we give, we receive. The more we give, then we can, uh, by giving oneself in such in a, in a in a complete and total and extreme way, following in her footsteps and the footsteps of her maidservants, then we can have a relationship with Krishna that is. Um, Super extraordinary. And this idea of Baba Lasrati that uh, Manjri Bob that I talked about last time. Um, I mean, you don't find that in the theological world anywhere other than Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I mean, such an idea is like um, well, Ramanuja wouldn't even contemplate such a thing. You know, to look at God that way, no way. Um, so I think. Uh, to keep in mind just how extraordinary this thing is that we're that we're approaching and that the means is through humility and selflessness i mean really that's that's the root of the thing you know uh, without those dis without that disposition all of our practice and whatnot sure it's good but those the humility and the selflessness is what brings brings our approach our practice to life and gives it real power and it gives a power to attract the more, as Sridharmaraj uh, so poetically would say, the more negative we make ourselves, the more attractive we become to the, the positive pole of the magnet. Krishna is the positive pole. So the more we empty ourselves out, the more we um, recognize our lack of lack of qualification, lack of I, I'm you know I'm so unqualified, and yet there's something in me that has to have that thing that is that I've heard about about so though I'm totally qualified unqualified for it I still want it <laughs> and so this being such an extraordinary thing and Radha being such an extraordinary person if we approach Krishna saying to him I want to be Radha's maidservant or I want to serve you somehow in connection I want to get her mercy somehow oh really that gets his attention he says okay um, and I think I might have quoted last time that uh, 
we we actually attain uh, Krishna. Krishna is attained through the worship of Radha and vice versa. Radha is attained through the worship of Krishna, but generally speaking, because Radha is the embodiment of mercy, then uh, we generally, it's kind of like, um, any of you who've been around small children uh, know that they will test the boundaries with their mother much more readily than with the father. It's kind of like the father's even though he may not intend to be, he's just by nature, he can be a bit intimidating for a young child. So Krishna, even though he is um, Karuna Sindhu, he's an ocean of mercy, still he may not be quite so disposed to be merciful to us in our fallen state. And so, but Radha, she's very soft-hearted. She's his, she's his compassion kind of made manifest. And so approaching her is, uh, advantageous to us and even more so the combined form of them Chaitanya Mahaprabhu where he's in a mood of giving uh, this, this very thing that he's absorbed in that's kind of what he came for is to distribute it without discrimination uh, that's a pretty good deal for us so and that's why Sridhar Maharaj would emphasize that we place all of our energy on Gaur and um, Dasya to Mahaprabhu results in um, Madhurya and to Krishna, Madhurya relationship with Krishna, generally speaking, obviously, uh, or Dasya to Mahaprabhu results in Rajabhakti of some type, we can say. Um, so anyhow, that's all I have for today. Um, it's 9.32, I guess, if anybody, uh, if anybody has any questions or comments, we can do that. I, um, I have a few extra minutes. I don't know if, if, if anyone needs to leave, they can go. Otherwise, I'm willing to uh, sit down and talk about questions if anyone has any. Hare Krishna. Hey, Casey. Am I coming through? Yeah, I can hear you. Well, since I happen to be sitting here today, I, I just wanted to say I appreciate that point that you throwing out there that Krishna is controlled by the love of his devotees, but he likes that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I've heard people, and maybe this was just me, feeling it like this but i've heard people make that point that krishna is controlled by the love of the gopis but it felt a little like <laughs> the powerful uh, you know and yeah it, it didn't sink right with me yeah but it, I, mean, I think that point also goes along with this selflessness that you're talking about and like the gopis are happy when they're with Krishna or but their happiness they they only accept happiness because they know it makes him happy right and there's this competition between the love of the devotees and Krishna's love where <laughs> really yeah. it's just all about making the other people happy yeah so, yeah and you know I think that's um 
you know, like Prabhupada wanted to run ISKCON and love and trust, you know, so if you love the people that you're living with and you trust them, then all you're trying to do is make them happy, then you'd be living in paradise, right? Because everybody's trying to do that. It's like Guru gives that example of um, how Sri Maharaj described the nature of Vrindavan, you know, it's go to the Howard train station at noon and you'll see and, and consider the opposite of that. And that's Vrindavan, right? So like where everybody here, everybody's trying to get ahead of everybody else in Vrindavan, everybody's trying to help everybody else in their service to Krishna, right? There, everybody in Vrindavan, there's the, the humility, right? Is such that nobody thinks that they're actually serving Krishna. Everybody thinks that everybody else can serve Krishna better than they can. And so they're trying to facilitate each other, right? I mean, you can imagine if you lived in a system like that, every, it'd, it'd be like everybody's taking care of each other. It'd be great, right? That's why Sri Ramaraj called it a welfare state because you're just, you're just taken care of because all you want to do is serve Krishna. So everybody's going to try and help you to do that. Yeah, the Raj Bhakti is extraordinary like that, right? I mean, there's nothing like it. You can almost see how that extreme... Well, I guess I, you just said it, but like selflessness and that surrender and looking for the other one, even in like Gora Lila, the Dasya, it kind of just leads to more intimate and more love. And I, mm -hmm. I can see what that would be. Yep. So, um, Oh, let's see what we got. Okay, well, can you translate? Okay. So, and then, then Chitta, if you can just like give a summary of the question, because people on people on Facebook won't hear. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Sampradaya, Sampradaya.
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, she's in the same way that the, the holy name is said to be more merciful than the form of God. Radha is said to be more merciful than Krishna. Therefore, um, again, she's the, with, with regard to sadhikas in the world, she's Krishna's compassion made manifest. She's the embodiment of Krishna's compassion, his, 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 softer, his softer nature, right? personified as a female. So, yeah, as I mentioned, she's um, she's going to be a bit more. Um, although Krishna's, you know, uh, infinitely merciful, she's more so. So she's going to be slightly more disposed, or she's very very soft hearted. She can't tolerate, as we heard in the first class, I think it was, she can't tolerate the suffering of others. The example there was given of a in the leela, she sees a calf with a piece of straw that has pierced its mouth, and she's. Um, the calf is given some pain and she can't tolerate to see this animal suffer like that. And so she, with tears in her eyes, she applies turmeric to the wound. So that's an example given by Rupa Goswami in the Ujjala Nilamani of her, her compassion within the Leela. And then of course, because she is one with and different from Bhagavan, she's all knowing like he is. And so for the sadhikas to relate to her, yeah, she's going to be more, more inclined to be merciful to us uh, when we pray to her than Krishna will be. Krishna's more interested in, you know, interacting with people who are qualified to interact with him. And she's interested in um, helping people become qualified for that if they want it. So I guess I hope that answers your question. Um, and yeah, her example, of course, uh, if you want to approach the absolute, then you need an example of the kind of love that you can attain in order to follow. So if you meditate on Krishna, um, he's the object of love, right? And we should meditate on him. But then <clears throat> if we're pursuing a kind of love, a type of love, and we find an example of that embodied in someone like Radha or one of the other uh, Nityasthitas, then we meditate on that person as the example that that's actually what we're trying to, what our goal is. Our goal is love of God. It's not God, right? We're not going to attain Krishna. We're going to attain love of Krishna of a particular type. And therefore it's rag anuga bhakti. We are following in the wake of the rag of one of the ragatnikas in whom rag is inborn. So love of Krishna is, inborn in Radha. She's the embodiment of it. So if we make our focus, our meditation, as you use the word, um, if we make her our, our, the focus of our meditation, then Shastra states and the Goswamis have made this point that we'll attain Krishna easily. Um, because, I mean, think about it from the point of view of, of a love, love relationship. So if you were Krishna and someone wanted to be uh, a, his devotee but then they that that person who was approaching him went and surrendered to Radha who he loves more than his own life do you think that would get his attention I think it would <laughs> I think it would, would very effectively and we find this is why uh, Srila Prabhupada on the Jaladutta 
on the way to America, made his prayer in such a way to Krishna that he invoked Radha. He said, Krishna, if you want me to do this thing that my guru has asked, uh, that'll be good for you to give me the power to do that because my guru is a representative of your beloved Radha. And so by pleasing her, you will be pleased. So it was very, very spiritually astute kind of uh, way Prabhupada framed that prayer. And so Radha controls Krishna. If we meditate on Radha, then we will eventually uh, attain the type of love that also controls Krishna. Um, so, I mean, it's not like you can go wrong meditating on Radha, that's for sure. And yeah, I personally, uh, I tend to meditate on Radha more often than Krishna. So um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, and, you know, probably even safer than that, though, meditate on Mahaprabhu because he's both of them. <laughs> Okay, you're welcome. I can tell, looks like it answered your question. Great. All right, well, we're gonna get over time. Um, so I don't wanna keep everybody too long. Uh, again, thanks for listening and participating. And next week, next Monday, same time, same channel, the last number five, part five of our series. So until then, I hope everyone is well and happy in their service. Jai Gauranga Mahaprabhu ki Jai Shri Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya ki Jai. Shri Manchita Hari Prabhu ki Jai. Jai ho. Hari bol.